0: wherever you get your podcast thanks for listening
1: ES audio
2: From the Evening Standard in London I'm Mark Blunden and this is the leader The sarcophagus every schoolchild who's been to the British Museum knows it was the burial coffin of ancient Egyptian elites but it's something else something critical to stopping radiation leaking out from the reactor at Chernobyl This now decaying steel and concrete tomb was built inside the plant over Reactor 4 in the months after the 1986 explosion to contain lava, contaminated soil and debris from the blast. British scientists are working with colleagues from Ukraine's Institute for Safety Problems of Nuclear Power Plants and National Academy of Science, and they're getting plenty of high-tech help we're joined by Professor Tom Scott, a nuclear expert at the University of Bristol and Royal Academy Research Fellow who's a regular visitor to Chernobyl to carry out radiation mapping research on the sarcophagus with assistance from a pack of digital canines. So what's the latest on your work mapping and the dismantling of the sarcophagus?
1: The task of taking the sarcophagus apart is now very much one of lifting block after block off to reveal what's left of Unit 4.
2: Could you explain a little uh, about what this part of the reactor looks like?
1: If you think about the Chernobyl power plant site as being four reactor units all all in a row, and effectively they're in pairs, so Unit 1 and 2 sit right next to each other and share some of the same infrastructure, and Units 3 and 4 also sit next to each other. It was Unit 4 which had the explosion, and after the incident when the fires which were burning in the reactor core were put out, they built a structure over the top and around the sides of Unit Four, which is what we regard as being the sarcophagus. And it was a structure that, for the most part, is prefabricated concrete blocks and concrete shapes, which are stacked just a bit like, you know, a children's uh, a children's wooden block stacking toy, um, because people couldn't get close enough to sort of grout joints or do bolts up. So. Very much this structure is is formed just with gravity helping to hold everything together, and it is very big blocks. So the task of taking the sarcophagus apart is now very much one of lifting block after block off to reveal what's left of Unit 4.
2: What kind of technology are you using?
1: We brought with us uh, some really advanced scanning systems which can scan with lasers and and special radiation detectors. They can create a three-dimensional map of radiation and the layout of facilities very quickly. We're combining a laser scanning technology, um, which can very quickly uh, create a sort of digital twin or digital model of, of any facility that it goes around inside. So you can put it on a robot platform and it can walk or roll around the facility, or you can carry it yourself. And as you walk, it will form a very accurate 3D model. And then what we're doing with that same system, we've then integrated it with radiation detectors, multiple radiation detectors, pointing in different directions. And wherever you walk, you get a measure of the radiation at the same time. So ultimately, what you get from it is this 3D model. And within the 3D model, you have a radiation map that's very accurate. And that can tell you the distribution of the radiation, the strength of the radiation, some look a bit like a bomb disposal robot, so a tracked robot. Um, and then we also have um, quadruped robots or dog robots, if you like. And in nuclear facilities, we often like to try and use the dog robots because they don't make as much contact with the floor. They just have four feet um, and therefore they don't pick up contamination. They stay nice and clean. Whereas you can imagine that a wheel or a track is going to you know, scour the floor and pick up any particulate contaminations
2: is the site still dangerous it sounds like pretty scary work how are you protected
1: for the most part the reactor site's very clean now after you know um over three decades they've really cleaned up and they have this really big structure that they now have in place over the sarcophagus called the new safe confinement which effectively seals of the space inside of it so if they uh, produce any dust during dismantling it's all captured inside this structure and that keeps everyone out in the surrounding area um, fine Um, but there are high levels of radiation still inside the sarcophagus it's it's dangerous at all times we have the correct personal protective equipment we have usually at any one time uh, two or three dosimeters that each member of the team is wearing and we, our dosimeters that we take um, from the University of Bristol are digital ones. So at any point in time, we can see exactly what the intensity of the radiation field is. We can see how dangerous it is. Um, and we get a running cumulative tally of, of radiation that we've received over the course of the trip.
2: Many of us have seen images of what's pretty much a ghost town surrounding the plants. Could you tell us a bit about current radiation levels? And is there life inside the exclusion zone?
1: It's the long-lived radioisotopes that are still there, but cesium-137 is is the main uh, sort of proponent that's going to be there for a long time yet. Um, but for the most part, in the exclusion zone, that radioactivity is actually being sort of buried, um, either buried directly after the incident in trenches, or since then it's been sort of buried by Mother Nature um, into the sort of soils and sediments. So the radioactivity drops naturally because of radioactive decay, but it also drops because material is being buried as well. And the the sort of exclusion zone now really is is more important for the Ukrainians um, because it, it's now used as a sort of part of it as a, as a sort of eco-reserve where they have wolves and horses and, and bears.
2: I'm sure many listeners would have seen the Chernobyl miniseries. What's your take on the show? Do you think it's accurate?
1: It's, for the most part, very accurate. The, the only bit they don't quite get right is they make it look like a helicopter crashed because of the radiation. But in reality, the helicopter crashed because it hit, it hit a, uh, a crane. And in fact, uh, we worked recently at the vehicle graveyard, which is near the site, where all of these sort of old hulls of the helicopters and tanks and tr- trucks are all sort of lined up and dumped one a- one on top of the other. And it's it's quite amazing going there and seeing everything, including the, um, the Joker robot, the robot that was lifted onto the roof of the building to try and push some of the fuel debris back into the core. I've met the Joker robot in person, in fact. And um, yeah, it's a very impressive fit of kit. You're wearing the clothes that they were wearing back in 1986, pretty much. Um, so it's a full strip down. In, a, in specialist changing areas, into the white clothes, just like in the um, Chernobyl miniseries, in fact, you, you're wearing the same stuff. But um, the most important bits of PPE there are the sort of, um, is, is the masks, um, it's the overshoes, it's the gloves, which protects you specifically from either touching or breathing in any radioactive particles.
2: There's more news in the Evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Monday at 4pm.
0: Hi, I'm Lawrence Telaglio, host of the Evening Standard rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium